Hello and welcome to Vet Club. Uh, we're going to talk, we're doing a show. Um, we're doing a show. <laughs> and doing it live. We're doing it live. Um, and we're going to talk about pain management a little bit. Well, a little bit. Next. I know a lot about that. Yeah? Tell me everything you know. You're in charge. Go. Um, so you have to make sure that Bobby always has milk and that there's always a glass frozen and... You have to make sure that she's fed. Um, so far, so good. You have to make sure that she has... This is pain management? Your pain management? Yeah. Or my pain management? No, you're a pain, and this is how I manage you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what wait, you're doing wait. now isn't helping. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not helping. No. Yeah. Darn. Yeah, that was... No, that was correct. This is the one I was looking for. <laughs> no. You had it right the first time. 100% correct the first time. Um, so we're going to talk about analgesia. Talk about what? <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Um, that reminds me of um, a, a great line on Scrubs that came up twice, like years apart, um, where uh, Turk, was, it was like just an, a throwaway scene um, where they cut to Turk where he's talking to this uh, this elderly patient and the whole line, he's like, he's like walking this older man out of the exam room and he said, <laughs> the line is, no, sir, it's pronounced analgesia. The pills go in your mouth, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's just really, and that's it. They don't like explain the joke. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Um, and it's just a very quick blip. And then they did that, I don't know, probably in one of the first couple of seasons. And then like in one of the later seasons, I'm pretty sure they got the same old man actor to come back and it's the same line. It, it, ugh, that show was so good. Do you think young people know what Scrubs is? Is that a show that they if, watch? If you don't, if you're listening right now and you don't know the TV show Scrubs, go look it up. Um, go to YouTube, to Hulu, to whatever you do, find it and watch it. Yeah, because I think Grey's Anatomy is uh, one that I think they that watch. They on. might not even know that anymore. No, they know it because oh, okay. uh, Catherine Heigl's got a thing. She's like talking about like um, she's at a restaurant and someone comes up to her is like, "You look like just like a what are." An older is. version of yeah. Are you character. her? And then it's like, are you her mom? And she's like, no, I'm, I'm her. her. <laughs> I think she's just she's terrible just, and like, awful like, and no, amazing. No, yeah, whatever. That's hilarious. Um, no, uh, so Scrubs was a, a comedy show, but had actually some of the most realistic medical aspects of it. From like compared to the the realistic medical dramas, Scrubs did better than most of those Except shows. The radiology in my opinion, thing was backwards for like six or seven seasons, but eventually. They fixed it. That was great in the intro. Okay, so for people who don't watch Scrubs, they know what we're talking about. It's fine. But go watch it. Like binge all seven, eight, nine seasons. I don't know. It's worth it. Just like block out a weekend yeah, and watch Zach it. Yeah, Zach Braff before he was cool. Yeah, this is kind of what made him cool. No. Um, no, it's not. What was that? The one movie with Keira Knightley. Not Keira Knightley with Natalie uh, Portman. Natalie Portman. Uh, Garden State. Love Garden that movie. State, yeah. I actually really That's like the that movie, movie that made him cool. I like it was that movie like, a lot. Oh, with Jack Black was in it? No, Jack Black was not in it. He wasn't in it? He was no. in, maybe he was in Jersey Girls. I don't, yeah, he Jack Black was not in it, but, know, um, so pain management, <laughs> in case you've forgotten what the show is about. Um, so we're going to, so when I approach pain medication, I, I often think about the five major categories of, um, analgesics, uh, of pain medication. So, uh, Topher, do you know what those are? No? Okay. There's I'll tell op- you. Opioids? Opioids. That's one. Yeah. There's uh, NSAIDs. Nice. That's two. There's... 40%. You're almost passing. Wait, you, quit rushing me. 
There's, um, we don't have this much. I should time. know all of them, but I don't. Probably, yeah. You got two of the biggest ones. Yeah. Um, the other ones, I NMDA receptor antagonists, <sighs> which I don't know how you didn't remember that. Yeah. The prototype drug for that is ketamine, but you've heard of ketamine. Yeah. That one. So, and then close to ecstasy. Alpha two agonists. Which I, I wouldn't have gotten. You wouldn't have one. gotten that one. And then local <laughs> anesthetics, local. like numbing agents. That was what I was trying to remember. Yeah. So those are the five groups that I think about. Um. And then, but then, and that's cool. And, you know, we talk <laughs> about those. Then, wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. So there's a few other medications that don't really fit into those five categories. That um, That's what I want to talk about. We're going to talk about alternative or, you know, extra drugs or other things and whether or not they're any good and whether or not you should use them as analgesics and under what circumstances you should. And yeah, we're going to, you're going to brace yourselves. You're going to hear my opinions. <laughs> so what type of pain medication is it? Do you, have you seen the movie Major Pain? No. Oh, okay. So it's um, with one of the Wayans brothers. I know the movie, but oh, I, okay. yeah. Uh, so he's got the, like the starting scene is like, it's like um, something's like, ah, oh, my leg, my leg. And he's like, oh, let me see your hand. And he takes his hand and he breaks his pinky and the guy's like oh man why did you do that now your leg doesn't hurt yeah my grandfather used to joke about that oh so what type hurt? of pain medication is that it's not oh it's torture that's <laughs> what that's called um it's distraction with uh, it's it's called pain with more it's not a thing um it's yeah. again my grandfather would do the same thing oh how about if i if i uh, hit your arm then your leg won't hurt so much nope then just both oh hurt. it's actually called large nerve fiber theory something like that no, or not, that sounds stupid and made no, up. No, it's an actual thing. Yeah, uh, well, there's no doubt. You can only feel so much pain. The, exactly. That's <laughs> not a solution. <laughs> Overshadowing. Oh, that's minor pain. Let me cause worse pain. Yeah. Oh, I did fix what they yeah, that's That's like saying I stopped the bleeding by allowing the patient to die. All bleeding stops. It's true. Yeah. But it's, this is not you a, this win is the not game a, this is not a useful treatment. Thank you so much. Um, so back to the real stuff. Sorry. No, it's all right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe people like this. I'm not sure. It's um, only been six minutes. Please so. tell us if you're like, tell Topher to shut up. That's okay. <laughs> you can, you can email me directly. If you want me to shut up, you should come on the podcast and do stuff. That's Cause then there'd be someone point. else for Bobby to talk to. It's a good point. Um, you'll probably be a lot nicer to me, which is maybe not what I need, but you know, at any rate. Okay. So the pain medications that we're, I promise we're going to talk about them. Um, so where should we start? We'll start positive. We're going to start with acetaminophen. Do you know what acetaminophen's the name you, do you know what most people would know it as? Acetaminophen is Excedrin? Nope. It's Tylenol. It's Tylenol. Tylenol. So acetaminophen is Tylenol. And a lot of people mistakenly think that it's an NSAID, but it's not, which is one of its coolest features that it's not an NSAID. Um, but it was invented, developed, discovered, you know, a hundred million years ago, plus or minus. Um, it's been around since before, like there was FDA's and FDA approval. Um, and it might not have gotten approval if it was developed or discovered in modern times. Especially not for cats. Uh, good job. Good job. So most people listening should know that acetaminophen is toxic in cats. Um, they do not have the appropriate enzyme to process it and um, it will cause it, liver failure. Um, if they get enough of it, it's really, really bad. So never, ever, 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 ever give it to cats. 
if you prescribe it um, or recommend it for dogs, this is acceptable. Um, but I, I encourage people to warn owners very clearly that it is not okay for cats because some people will think, oh, if it's safe for dogs, then it's safe for cats. Nope, that's not true. So I like to point that out to people if I, if I tell them you can give this to your dog. And I also say, if you also have cats in your household, you need to be extra careful with it so that if you're about to give it to the dog and you accidentally drop it and you know the cat thinks it's a fun toy, like just be mindful. I, le- I like to let people know this is very toxic to cats, but it is just like it's okay for people to take it in safe amounts. It's okay for dogs to take it in safe amounts. Um, and so the thing I like most about acetaminophen is it, um, it can be given in the circumstances where NSAIDs cannot be given. Um, so NSAIDs are typically contraindicated. Um, we, we don't, so NSAIDs block prostaglandins, which is not how acetaminophen works, which is cool. Um, so they have different mechanisms. And so since they don't block prostaglandins, acetaminophen isn't going to increase the risk of stomach ulcers and it is not going to block, um, renal autoregulation and increase the risk of kidney injury in patients that are dehydrated or hypovolemic. Um, so if I have a patient that I'm worried about stomach ulcers or they're already on a steroid and I don't want to give them a non-steroidal because that combination is generally bad, then acetaminophen is a, is a nice alternative. Um, and it's available over the counter. People can go to their local pharmacy, um, grocery store or whatever, and get some, it can be a little tricky to dose in really small dogs because the sizes are made for humans, which are bigger than small dogs mm-hmm. typically. And, um, and some of the, the children's formulations are flavored with things that are bad for dogs like xylitol. So you have to be a little bit careful in dosing when you buy the human products. But um, but yeah, I think acetaminophen is a, is a pretty darn good alternative. A couple of things to bear in mind. It's not labeled. It's not, you know, this, this would be off-label use. And if you have NSAIDs, which are like veterinary labeled products for pain management, like that's always preferable. But if... It's not safe or appropriate to give so an NSAID to a dog. So there's not a veterinary Tylenol? No, it's the same drug. And if you're in Europe, it's uh, paracetamol. But but there is for like NSAIDs, there's a veterinary yeah, version? Yeah, so there are specific, um, so like the Excedrin and the Advil, and then there's prescription strength NSAIDs for people as well. But there have been some that are developed that are specifically for animals. And actually, most of the ones that are labeled specifically for animals are not for people. Um which is interesting. They maybe they could be, but um, they haven't been developed and tested in people. Um, so they, there's there's a lot of different veterinary labeled products for dogs and cats um, for NSAIDs. And so when a like when you can, you should use an NSAID for a lot of reasons. One, because it's on label. Whenever you have an on label option, you should go that route. But if it's contraindicated to use an NSAID for you know any of the fairly common reasons, then acetaminophen is okay for a dog, and it's a reasonable thing to do. Um, and it's pretty effective. Uh, not as good as NSAIDs specifically for musculoskeletal pain. So for like arthritis, acetaminophen is not going to be as effective as an NSAID, according to the literature. There's like a pretty nice uh, study out there comparing those two. And it says acetaminophen is okay, but it's not as good as an NSAID. Now for visceral pain, like when it's been compared to NSAIDs, um, uh, and the one, the study that I recall, it was looking at dogs that it was after a spay. So like visceral pain after a major surgery, um, a spay is a, you know, it's still a major surgery, even though it's common. Um, and it seemed to perform about as well as NSAIDs. So it's probably, you know, okay, again, NSAIDs are probably still preferable after a spay. 
because it's a labeled, you know, drug for that, for that species, which is always better. Um, but say it was, um, gastric surgery because they had a foreign body and removing a, a gastric foreign body. I'm still okay using an NSAID, but some people are like, yeah, but they've already got, um, you know, uh, damage to their stomach. And there are some um, papers in people suggesting that NSAIDs, um, increase the risk of dehiscence after surgery. So there's, there's reasons to be hesitant. And so if you're like, ah, I don't really want to use it after gastric surgery, then, um, acetaminophen is probably a good alternative to consider because there's an oral formulation that dogs absorb, which is cool and not always true of all drugs that are available um, to us to prescribe for dogs. Um, Do says like, I think I, it's like thins your blood a little bit. Is uh, that a um, no. So there is um, a not clinically relevant very small impact on platelet function. So it's not a blood thinner, um, but it can have a, a just like, so aspirin is an, a platelet inhibitor. I guess I, I think of aspirin because it is kind of like, yes. I don't aspirin, take any of the medicines. So they're yeah. all the same thing to yeah, me. Yeah, that's fair. So aspirin is a type of non-steroidal-ish um, drug. And so it is a, a specific, it, it uh, so it's called salicylate and it, it, but it blocks thromboxane A2 um, which will um, prevent platelets from being activated via that receptor. Seems like um, this should be a board game. What should be? Like all these like drug, oh, my aspirin blocks your thrombrasis <laughs> proxy too. Thromboxane A2. Um, I would win that game right now because I know all the pieces and the players and you don't. Yeah, but give me a month. A month? You're going to learn all of veterinary pharmacology in a month? If it's a card game. If it- <laughs> We should probably develop it. Maybe it would help others do. Yeah. I crush you at birds. Um, let's go look at the high score for birds. Who has the highest score ever for birds? You play more than me. I don't think that's actually true. Oh, birds is this game called I think we all know now who wingspan. has the highest score. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we that's actually it, what it's called. We call <laughs> it birds, but we play each other on the iPad. Yeah. And who has the highest score? I forgot. You didn't. You forgot to say. Bobby has a That's score of right. 141. 143. What's Topher's highest score? I think I've gotten 140 twice. <laughs> so 140 is your highest score. <laughs> not not 280. Nice try. Um, um, this weekend. Okay. Yep. Keep working at it, babe. So we're going off on a lot of tangents today. So yeah, back to Tylenol. Mm-hmm. So acetaminophen is a good, it doesn't fit into any of those five big categories, um, but I like it when I want to give an NSAID to a dog and I can't because it's against the law. So I use acetaminophen, but never, ever, ever in cats. So that's one of the ones I like to talk about. And and there's, again, this is based on evidence and research and studies. So they're not superior to NSAIDs. Uh, acetaminophen is not, but um, but it is a nice alternative when NSAIDs are not appropriate. That's That's the takeaway. So how do you use it in the clinic if it's not for, if it's not labeled for veterinary use or whatever? I decide because I am a, a veterinarian and I'm legally allowed to choose to um, prescribe things that are off label. But do they have it in like the pharmacy that you can get it or? Um, so uh, some hospitals keep just regular old acetaminophen um, uh, in their internal pharmacy. Our pharmacy carries acetaminophen with codeine. So Tylenol 3, so-called Tylenol 3, which is a controlled drug because codeine is a type of opioid. Um, I swear I didn't tell him to say this, um, but it was really a perfect uh, a perfect question because um, we carry Tylenol with codeine, which I find annoying because dogs don't absorb codeine 
um, in their gut. The bioavailability of codeine in dogs is terrible. I'm not making this up. Go look it up yourselves. Google it. Look for the the evidence. And it's like bioavailability is somewhere between zero and 5%. Does that mean it doesn't do anything to them? It means they don't absorb it into their gut. So you put it in their mouth, they swallow it into their stomach, and then they poop it out. Yeah. So if you would like, if your dog's poop is just not expensive enough for you, then give it some codeine. (laughs) That's that's what you're doing. You are making their poop more expensive. So our hospital carries just regular coating um, for en- enhancing the cost of your poops. Or um, you can get acetaminophen with coating. And so because that's the only type of acetaminophen we carry in our hospital, I sometimes prescribe it for the acetaminophen. And then when I send the dog home, I tell the owners, go to your local pharmacy or, or, um, or check your own shelves. And here's the just regular old acetaminophen that you can give to your dog that's way cheaper. And it's also not a control drug now because you haven't mixed it with a useless control drug. And it's not a useless drug. It's just useless in dogs given orally because they just poop it out. So... End of that rant. <laughs> um, and that's true of other oral opioids. Dogs and opioid, like there isn't a formulation of an oral opioid. Hydrocodone is another one, or uh, sorry, hydromorphone is another one that comes in an oral um, formulation. And the bioavailability of that in dogs is also terrible. So at any rate. Um, All right, next. Next. So do you want to talk about gabapentin or tramadol? Tramadol, because I've heard you talk about gabapentin. And you're not happy about it. And I think tramadol, you're less not happy about. Yeah, that is accurate. I know your soapboxes. I used to be very like frustrated with tramadol. So let's see. The year was, I don't know. <laughs> um, so this is a complicated relationship. <laughs> so no, I can recall. Okay. So during my residency, so say 2009. Tramadol was mean to you. Tramadol was not mean to me, um, but um, during that time, so in the the early to mid 2000s, late 2000s, um, tramadol was the pain medication du jour. Um, everybody was loving this drug. They were prescribing it for everything. Um, I'm exaggerating almost not at all. Maybe I'm under, what's, what's the opposite of exaggerating? Understating? Yeah, I'm probably under, understating how much people were in love with tramadol at the time. And so tramadol, um, people are like, we think it's like an opioid. Um, and it's not entirely like an opioid. It's its own kind of class of, of, of drugs. And it probably has some serotonin effects and da, 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 da. So, um, with tramadol, it's a drug that you absorb it as tramadol, but it needs to be converted to its active metabolite, which is, uh, O-desmethyltramadol, um, clever name for it to make it complicated and then that can be effective and dogs don't do that very well i know this now um cats are actually pretty good at this so tramadol is uh, is is reasonably effective in cats but so i'm seeing tramadol and i'm like it just doesn't seem like it's doing much and so i'm looking into the literature and i'm like the literature says it's not really doing much why is everybody using it this is really weird because people were like tramadol is the greatest drug since anything because we can send it home um and and i understand that people are looking for options of medications they can send home with with animals oral medications um, that aren't NSAIDs. And tramadol was the drug. That was the thing that everybody wanted to use. So they would either as an adjunct, like NSAIDs aren't enough, and so I'm going to add this to it, um, or NSAIDs aren't safe, so I'm going to use this instead of um, NSAIDs. And I was like, it just it's not really doing much. And so I wasn't using it much at all. 
And I was kind of advocating not to and saying, hey, guys, but there's these studies that really don't show that You're it's very, guy. I am totally that guy. And I was like, there's these studies that really don't show that it's all that effective. So I'm not sure why we have this love affair with this drug. And people were like, shut up, Bobby. And <laughs> they just prescribed the bejesus out of it. And so that was happening for years. And I was like, okay, I wasn't prescribing it much, but I, I kind of, you know me. Um, so I, I would just harp on it when I could and, and then, you know, didn't really affect anything anytime anybody used it well, why are you using that yeah did you know that all the literature says that and they'd be like wow fascinating and then they would continue to prescribe it yeah they'd be like um can you just cover your eyes for just a minute okay you can open them again all right bye just take off your glasses for a second yeah you won't be able to see so um so anyway um that that happened and then then a funny thing happened and in 2018 I'm pretty sure a study was published um, that uh, basically they they did a, a, a prospective study, uh, placebo controlled, where one group of do- so these were dogs with arthritis, and half of the dogs got an NSAID and tramadol, and the other half of the dogs got an NSAID and a placebo. And what do you think they found? They were the same. They were the same. There was no difference between them. And then about a year and a half after this study came out. So this is the study that's saying the same thing I've been saying. And lots of people, I'm not the only one, but a lot of people have been saying this drug's not really doing anything for, for years. And it's not that it's not doing anything. It's just not doing much. Um, this study comes out saying, hey, dogs with arthritis, there's no difference whether you add tramadol or not. And it was a, you know, it was a good study. And like a year and a half, almost two years after that study came out, people were like, why are we using tramadol? Throw that in the garbage. This is terrible it's trash and like yeah but this like study almost didn't really overnight contradict what they were no saying because they wanted to use it when you couldn't use NSAID so where's the study of like those those were those already existed yeah the, the studies that said tramadol is not doing lot a lot like it's doing a little teeny there were some studies that said here tramadol is effective for a little like mild pain it's not that it's doing nothing it's just not doing much and people were relying on it as a sole agent so what i was advocating for was like if you've got them on an NSAID and it's not quite enough and you want to add something else sure try tramazole but if you have an animal that comes in with trauma and the only medication you prescribe is tramadol you're not doing a very you're that's that's rude you're not giving them enough pain medication so if they're like eh, maybe they're painful i want to try some tramadol okay um or like maybe they have very mild pain tramadol okay but you shouldn't be relying on it for significant pain um and so this study comes out and then people are like forget that drug burn them all throw it all in the the, the the garbage we're done we hate you and then enter gabapentin <laughs> and gabapentin became the new tramadol except what do you think the except is going to be i already know what the except is what is it you know it's even less effective than yeah <laughs> there there's more evidence for its ineffectiveness um, than there even was for tramadol. Tramadol at least had some studies that said, yeah, it's doing a little bit of something. It's just not much. And in cats, it's actually probably doing pretty, pretty well. Here's why, here's why people tend not to use it in cats. It tastes disgusting. And it's really hard to, like, cats just are like, no. I do not want it. And like, if you put it in with food, then they're like, all of the food tastes like this nasty, like it's, I think that's the limiting factor in cats. If somebody could come up with a way to flavor it for cats, um, cats is is probably a reasonable use for it. But a lot of people would make like a liquid um, uh, um, oh, suspension. Oh, giving a cat like a liquid is impossible. A liquid suspension of something that tastes bad. And so there's like, you know, and like nasty 
saliva tramadol grossness everywhere um so i think and and we have buprenorphine for cats which is so easy and and great so um there wasn't really a huge need for for something like tramadol in cats but in cats it's probably a good a good thing to consider so um but people said forget tramadol we hate you tramadol our new best friend is gabapentin and that is where we are right now we're in the thing where everybody loves gabapentin gabapentin is the greatest drug in the history of the world and i'm having the same speeches about gabapentin now that i was used to have about tramadol and i just need somebody to do some ma- I, I don't know how to predict which do you ever study. worry about the drug reps like coming to our house i wish they would and like i wish they you know what if you're a drug rep like or you leaving, know one have them come on our podcast leaving like a dead fish on but our here's porch. the thing gabapentin is not there's not a veterinary labeled gabapentin. So none of the drug reps are pu- pushing gabapentin. <laughs> um, but if there's a drug rep out there that wants to talk about this stuff, please come on the show. That'd be super fun. I would love that. Um, challenge. Bring your proprietary papers. What's, what's the op- What do you say before challenge accepted? Challenge thrown? Challenge. The gauntlet is down. Gauntlet is thrown. I want somebody to to, to message Gloves back. Challenge accepted. Anyway, that's, that's, a, to pick up the that's a real invitation. But um, gabapentin... <laughs> It sucks. End <laughs> podcast. Okay. So um, I, I don't have anything personally against gabapentin. So um, gabapentin, um, if you knew nothing about gabapentin. I think you were prescribed it one time. I was. And I was, and I told the, I told the physician I was having bad back pain and I told the physician, I, I don't know if he saw the look on my face, but I was like, um, I don't, uh, I was also desperate because my back was really bad, and I was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to try anything." Yeah. Yeah, there's one, uh, there's a f- old football player who says the thing he's talking about, like football, and so he's like, "Yeah, I just play football." They told me to strap a turd onto my leg, and it would make it better. I would do it. That's kind of where you were. <laughs> if a I doctor was, was like, "We should was. strap a turd on your back," and but I was there. already at that point, like, but there's no evidence for for gabapentin. <laughs> But sure, I'll try anything. You know, yeah, I literally would have. We, we tried almost everything. Um, it did not help my back pain um, at all. And some will say you didn't take a high enough dose, and I'll say whatever. Um, but <laughs> so gabapentin was originally developed and and was originally released as an anti seizure medication because. It is a GABA agonist, hence the name gabapentin, and GABA channels are important for seizure. Like mo- like a lot of the anti-seizure drugs that we prescribe um, work on GABA channels, and so that makes sense. It's not a super great um, anti-seizure medication, and so I think the people were like, well, we did all this research and development. Let's see if we can remarket it. Uh, that's my cynical assumption. I don't actually know why somebody at some point decided let's use it as a pain medication, Uh, but they did and it caught on and everybody is prescribing gabapentin as as an analgesic now. Tramadol is out, gabapentin is in, and I am over here having the same conversations, the same speeches, the same soapboxes about gabapentin that I used to have about tramadol, except, um, so here's here's the evidence. So in veterinary medicine, um, there are a number of studies that say gabapentin is ineffective for pain medication, or for analgesia. It doesn't have antinociceptive properties. There's lots of studies. And then people say, well, the doses that they used were too low. You need a higher dose. And then um, there's one study that came out in cats that ostent- the way the way the authors talk about it, they say that no gabapentin was effective for managing arthritic pain in cats. But if you look at their actual data, 
um, it shows that the cats that were getting gabapentin had lower activity scores. Like they were, they, the owners were reporting less activity in their cats. And I was like, that doesn't sound like they were in less pain to me. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're in more pain, but they were probably more sedated, which is what gabapentin is actually pretty good at. Um, so, and then there's, there's a lot of studies in people, a lot of studies in people with mixed results. When you look at the meta-analyses, so people who get together and they take all of the, the, the quality, good quality studies in people and they combine them all and they compare them all and they say, what is the impact of a gabapentin? And what we find is it is not antinociceptive, meaning it's not reducing the pain sensation or the pain threshold. But in people, it is reported to have a, a, small, like, but you know, not insignificant impact on quality of life. And so the way I summarize that is gabapentin will not reduce your pain, but you will feel better about your pain. Oh yeah. They say that, um, about Adderall too. Like the people who take it, not, not recreationally, but to improve their work. Like, like if you want to study real hard or if you want to get a lot done, like people will take an Adderall. Um, and it's the same thing. Like, the amount of work or the quality of work you get on when they do a study is the same, but I feel when more they serve accomplished. It, they feel like they did more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you are suffering with chronic pain and gabapentin can improve your quality of life because you feel better, you're not as depressed about your chronic pain, you, like that is a worthwhile thing. Like, I'm not saying that people shouldn't be allowed to take gabapentin. It didn't do anything for my quality of life. But, yeah, you're um, too stubborn. Nothing can change your mind. <laughs> that's meant, well, not not something that's not This back work. is going to hurt. Well, it did. <laughs> that's the thing is my back still hurt, and that was still frustrating for me. Um, but if you have, like, chronic pain that just can't otherwise be managed, then, yeah, put some gabapentin in there and, and see if that's helping. Is it going to have that same effect on quality of life in dogs and cats? I don't know. Because it's not going to improve their pain. Um, is it going to improve their mood? Is it going to make them feel less depressed about their pain? I don't know. And I don't know. Like I've tried to do the thought experiment. Like how would I design that study to figure out if their quality of life was improved? Because we're going to have to ask somebody else, right? Like they can't verbalize that to us. Yeah. So you'd have to ask the owners like, do, are they enjoying things more than they did before? Like, I don't know how you do that because gabapentin does have the side effect um, of sedation. And so if an animal is sedate, they might not be able to show the outward sides of pain. And I think that's where some of the misinterpretation comes from. Like, oh, well, they're not vocalizing as much. They're in less pain. Well, not necessarily, because if you look at the, the nociception studies, nociception is the, the, the perception of pain. It's not having an impact. And so... Um, it really depends on how you're measuring um, pain. And it's really hard in dogs and cats. It's really, really hard. So um, what I say to people is you absolutely should not rely on gabapentin, certainly as a sole agent for pain relief. Um, You could consider it as an adjunct, um, but recognize that it might be doing more sedation than actual pain relief. Um, And then some people will throw out, this is is kind of one of my favorites. Um, This is like, well, what about... What about um, neuropathic pain? And neuropathic pain has actually had different definitions over the years. Um, the one that is, that I think people are using now and have kind of settled on, at least for the time being, is that pain of the nerve. So the nerves themselves are inflamed and painful. 
and that gabapentin would be appropriate for neuropathic pain. And I think that comes from the fact that it works on GABA channels. And so that has a more of a theoretical benefit, but I have yet to see any evidence to support that. And the tricky thing is neuropathic pain is really hard to to study. Um, it's hard to isolate that and measure that and to say that that pain is somehow unique and different from other pain. Um, it also could sometimes gets described. Neuropathic pain can also be the pain that is experienced in like phantom legs, like people who have a, a limb amputation, but still experience pain feels like my toes hurt, even though I don't have toes anymore because all pain is experienced in the brain. Right. Um, so pain is really complex, but, um, yeah, gabapentin is, um, is a lovely sedative. So if you've got a super anxious cat and, and gabapentin makes him less anxious or less angry or less whatever. Yeah. Cool. Um, but if you think that it's addressing his pain, I'm, I'm not convinced. Um, mm -hmm. the, uh, the one other potential explanation um, is that, uh, and, and there's, this is really hard to study, but there's interesting evidence in people about individual responses to medications being unique. Um, so it's possible that some individuals, for some individuals, gabapentin does have some analgesic effects. It's not just that it's making them feel better about their pain and others don't respond well to it. That, that is possible. Um, that because of your genetic makeup, um, your, your phenotype, I don't know, um, maybe you metabolize the drug differently and so it works differently in person A versus person B. And so when you, when you average out all of these um, studies, you have, you know, half of the people are having benefit and half of them aren't. And when you look at that all together, it looks like nothing's happening. Um, and it might just be individual variation that's possible. Um, so if you're out there, like you don't have to send me hate mail if gabapentin changed your life and, and it's, it, it made it better. I mean, you can still send me hate mail if you want, but um, I acknowledge that there's that possibility. Um, but I think you also then have to acknowledge how bad we are at recognizing whether or not this animal um, is, is if, if this pain medication is really responding because using um, this anecdotal like, oh, this dog is better. Um, it's because of the the gabapentin. Well, we make those mistakes all the time assessing an N of one. Um, and that's why we do research. And that's why we look at studies of populations to say what's really happening. Is this dog better because it was going to get better anyway? Or are, am I misinterpreting the fact that it's it seems calmer because it's being sedated or it's sleeping better because I've sedated it, not because it's more comfortable. So basically gabapentin, thumbs down, tramadol, mm -hmm. thumbs sideways, acetaminophen, thumbs up. If you're a dog, if you're a cat, give all the cats buprenorphine, the end. That's my pain medication talk for cats because this, you know what the side effect of buprenorphine is? I don't know if I've talked to you about this. Is this the slutty cat? Yeah. It's yeah. euphoria. Like it, honestly, Buprenorphine should be labeled as a euphoria drug that has the side effect of pain relief. <laughs> it causes euphoria. I mean, who doesn't want that? And your cat is going to feel slutty. He's going to be like, oh my gosh, this is like that. Oh my God, yes. That's, that's cats on buprenorphine and it's the greatest thing ever. And cats are cool because they absorb it across their gums. They don't have to swallow it. You don't have to inject it with a needle, but they also don't have to swallow it. And it doesn't have like a taste. So they're not like, oh, this is disgusting. Like tramadol would be. And it's just really effective. And gabapent or uh, buprenorphine is like the greatest drug for cats ever. The end. Mm -hmm. That's it. I think that's all. So for like how people self-medicate, um, how does, I don't, they may be one of your drug categories, but like alcohol, what pain oh. medication would that be? Oh, 
probably sedation. Yeah. So like alcohol isn't analgesic, but if you're yeah. if you're passed out, but then it's, you're not it's experiencing sort of like your pain. A lot of people who have Numb like chronic pain. pain or they're they're like an athlete and you have pain because yeah. of that they gabapentin drink. man. He gets, he gets rid of it. <laughs> um, I mean that again that that is in some ways maybe not to the extreme of what gabapentin mm-hmm. might be doing, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's masking not so you're not ad- addressing the pain, you're not addressing the root cause, but you feel a little, you think you feel better. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, we don't really do, I mean, we do that for ourselves. I'm going to give this to the dog because it makes me feel better, right? Like we do that. Um, But we don't really have a great corollary for those kinds of things in animals, except the things I've already really talked about where we think it's helping. Um, But yeah, dogs and cats are going to have a hard time self-medicating because of the whole thumb thing. (laughs) Um, I just think it's like, is there a equivalent, like not good pain medication? Like alcohol is not a good pain medication for a person, but it's what people use. Um, and then there's yeah, also like marijuana. People use that too. Um, marijuana is an interesting one because we still, there's still a lot we don't know because for so long you weren't able to study it without like crazy uh, clearances. It was really, really restricted. Um, that's loosening a little, it's slow. Um, so there are going to be some metabolites from marijuana, um, that have some analgesic properties, but, um, a lot still needs to be figured out with that. Uh, and that's the weird thing about marijuana. There's so many different chemicals um, that are associated with either the metabolism or I don't know if it, I don't know enough about it. I don't study this. Um, but there are a lot of different chemicals that individually could have a lot of different effects. Um, but uh, it is something that gets commonly recommended by not legitimate people yeah. <laughs> for, for, for folks. And we just don't know enough about it in animals. Again, same thing for like, there, there's probably, there is some early evidence for using marijuana for some seizure disorders. Um, I think people have known for a long time that it's pretty good for nausea and appetite stimulation, like the association of getting the munchies after smoking marijuana, like there is appetite stimulation that's pretty well documented there, both anecdotally and scientifically. Um, so there are potential uses for that. Um, analgesia, I don't think it's going to end up proving to be super duper effective. Um, but it might be like the self-medicating thing. Like, yeah, my life is good now and mm-hmm. I don't have any problems. Um, there are some non-pharmacologic meth- mechanisms for pain relief that I think are worth discussing. Um, things like icing. Um, icing has specific yeah, and big thing. limited I'm just thinking, like, use. Things like athletes use. Yeah, ice after an injury. Um, so ice after can, like running a lot, people would ice their knees, or if you throw in a bunch. Yeah, of stuff, and ice, ice is soothing. It's, if you're going to numb that area, it's soothing. But if there's specific trauma, um, there is uh, a small but real short-term benefit to to ice after an injury because what ice will do is cause local vasoconstriction and limit blood flow so it can reduce swelling um uh, but it's probably prob- after 24 hours it's probably not doing much of anything except it can be still pain relieving so like if you have a sore knee and you ice it that that you know numbing of that area is 
pain relieving. And so that's like a great thing. So say somebody calls me um, over the phone on emergency about like their dog just twisted their leg and it's really, really, really painful. And they're either for some reason they can't come into the clinic to get medications. I don't know enough about the animal to like recommend anything safely over the counter. Um, so I don't want to recommend that, but I'm like, and they're like, I can't bring him in. I can get him to my vet tomorrow. And I go, okay, well, if he'll tolerate it, you can try putting an ice pack on the area for like 10 minutes, leave it on for 10 minutes and take it off for 20 or 30. You can do that several times. Um, and that can be pain relieving. Um, it's not going to eliminate the pain, but it can help. Other things for chronic pain um, are is kind of the opposite. So um, just things like you would do for yourself, massage, activity, like controlled exercise. We talk about passive range of motion. So if an animal say can't walk on their own, well, I can still move the, the joints and I can rub the muscles, get the blood flowing. And sometimes those things can be soothing. Just like, again, um, a massage and people can, can feel good. And so those are things that you can consider. Um, acupuncture is another thing that is, um, there's still a lot of research that needs to be done on how that can help. But there's some preliminary studies that some um, acupressure, uh, you know, yeah, um, uh, acupressure uh, points and things like that can be beneficial. These aren't things that are going to take you from excruciating pain. You're not like, oh, the dog got hit by a car and has a fractured femur. I'm just going to do some acupuncture. No, um, but with, for chronic pain or as an adjunct to other things, um, uh, I think acupuncture is is a is a good thing to consider. Um, yeah, those are sort of the like non pharmacologic adjunctive things. Um, I don't necessarily recommend like random over the counter herbs or things because a lot of those. <laughs> There's a good comedian haven't who's got a, been a joke about that. He's like. It's amazing. They changed the name from snake to essential. <laughs> somehow, snake oil to essential. Somehow yeah. it's okay now. Yeah. So, and the thing is, some of those things are toxic depending on the species. So like it might be okay in people, but you give it to a cat and now it's toxic. That happened with tea tree oil. Tea tree oil was all the rage like 20 years ago. It was great for acne and blah, 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 blah. And then people would put it on like their cat had a weird skin lesion. And next thing you know, the cat's coming in with seizures and you're like, oh, cool. Maybe we should stop doing this. Oh, is that within some of the shampoos? Is that what? Probably, yeah. Oh, you're probably thinking of the the, the flea shampoos, though. Those are. Oh, is that a flea shampoo? The I've just seen permethrins the, is probably the, the thing you're thinking the of. The shampoo, it's like got the no cat symbol, and apparently, like, gives your cat seizures. Yeah, that's probably the flea shampoo that's got permethrins in it. Mm. Something different, but tea tree oils were were big for a minute, um, and I think they've mostly fallen out of favor because they probably weren't they weren't really doing anything for people either. Uh, but it had like a strong menthol kind of a smell to it. So I guess that makes it seem like it's working. Um, yeah, I think that's mostly what I have. Um, that's the that's That wasn't the very rant. much. You had one thing. Three things. Wait, what do you mean? You didn't like thing? the other two. I did so. I tram it all. I kind of sort of liked. <laughs> I really liked NSAIDs. I talked about that at the beginning. NSAIDs are great. But you, this wasn't about NSAIDs. This was about the others. Well, yeah, but just, I mean, just because they're not good doesn't, I like, just because there's not a lot of options doesn't mean I need to make up that some are good. I don't know. I could try harder. All right. Well, maybe you should invent a new pain medication and I will. Not having time. I don't have time for pain. <laughs> um, the pain has time for you. That's, you just look at the dog. Suck it up. <laughs> that's, sometimes that's what happens. Uh, not what I'd advocate, though. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.